everyone, this is your girl Natasha. I'm an event planner, a new published author, and a host. And I would love to welcome you to my show called The Remedy with Natasha. And that's the with an A. The Remedy is where we open up the conversation about health conditions and their effects on the individual, their lifestyles, and their families. Hey everyone, welcome to The Remedy with Natasha. I am Natasha, your host, and today's guest is Mr. Franklin. Hi, Mr. Franklin, how you doing? Hello, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. So, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, well, let me start from the beginning. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm Franklin Monroe Jr. I am 56 years old. And I reside in the city of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I'm a military brat. Um, <laughs> so uh, from there, I mean, as far as military brat, and then I um, I joined the military uh, myself um, when I was well, I was 17. So I did the national tour in the National Guard first, and then from there, um, I got married in '86. And then I joined, uh, after I was in the National Guard for three years, I decided to go to active So I went active duty, and I became a 63 Bravo. For those who are um, not familiar with that, it's a right-wheel vehicle mechanic. Mm. And from there, after, after I became a mechanic, I decided to go ahead and go, like I said, go into the active army. And then when I went into the active army, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying, oh, okay. <laughs> oh. Go ahead. And then so uh, while I was in Atlanta at the MEP station, uh, have a, an opposition, a post for me to do. So they decided to send me to airborne school. So I, I ended up going back to Columbus, Georgia, where I, where, I, where I signed. And then I went to airborne school. And then uh, I had an accident while I and the air um, during a routine stress uh, fractures in both my legs, so mm. I became un, I became unassigned airborne, and so after that um, I stayed I stayed uh, in the hospital in Columbus Fort Benning actually, and after that they decided to assign me to a uh, into my MOS which is like I said is a mechanic. So I got stationed at Fort, uh, Fort Bliss, Texas. And so um, I did my tour of duty there. And then from there, from Fort Bliss, they transferred me to Fort Hood, um, where my daughter was born, 32 now. And so I was there. And then um, from there to uh, at the Fort Bliss, I ended up, I thought I was going to end up going to desert in 1990. But mm -hmm. by that time, my tour of duty was over with. So, but I still was active reserve. So then me and my ex-wife got, well, I got sent back to Fort Benning, me and my daughter, or well, my wife finished her tour of duty in Fort Hood. And so I ended up in Columbus. And that was my home, you know. Um, I was working, started working for the YDC and I got sick at work. And I had that I know of with my blood pressure, I was military, or anything like that. So I was at work one day, and I ended up, I ended up passing out at work. Oh, wow. And okay, wait one second, one second. Okay. Don't go too far yet. <laughs> right. Okay, so today we'll be talking about end-stage renal disease. And end-stage renal disease, or renal failure, is the fifth and last stage of chronic kidney disease. I'm sorry. Of chronic kidney disease. Kidney failure cannot be reversed and is life-threatening if left untreated. However, dialysis or kidney transplant can be can help you live a live many more years. So you have end stage end stage renal failure, correct? Correct. 
Okay. And when did you find out? Uh, 2005 at the age of 41. Okay. Okay. And what was your initial reaction when you found out? Uh, needless to say, I was pissed. And um, <laughs> I, 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 I immediately asked for I didn't believe it. Second opinion, and then that, and then they had uh, a nurse come in or advocate. They came in, was very nice, very nice uh, older lady. I know she probably had to be in her her forties, forties, fifty, maybe in her fifties, early fifties. And she held my hand and she explained it to me. Because by this time, I was in the hospital. I was by myself, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I thought from the way the way that it was told to me. Was that I was just the, you know, um, and I I just didn't I hadn't drank enough drank enough water, so I was just thinking, okay, well I'm gonna go ahead and you know give me some fluids or whatever and some next I'm gonna get out of here. I need to go back to work. Right. She told me the, the doctor came in and told me that they were gonna stick a needle in my neck and start. Hold up, I said, now you just told me that electrolytes were low. And then they told me that my creatinine was too high or being here and things I'd never heard of my BUN and, and, mm-hmm. and my, my phosphorus and what, what are you talking about? And so in the meantime, my, you know, my mom comes up there and, you know, she tells me, she said, well, Frank Jr., you know, the only thing I can tell you is the doctors know what they're talking about. You know, you didn't have your second opinion and listen to them and do what they say. Right. Um, they gave me a permacaf and started me on dialysis. Okay. So before, right. <laughs> huh. yeah. But before you, before you, they, so what symptoms did you, were you having when they um, gave you your diagnosis? I didn't have any symptoms. I had, I had no symptoms. The only thing, the only way I found out that anything was wrong with me was I passed out at work and they took me to the emergency room. And they started oh, running wow. tests. And he told me, he said, and, they said, and they said the cause of it was untreated high blood pressure. Oh, wow. And then, so the military, I thought the military, don't they do routine checkups or stuff like that? For yeah. I did, but you got to, I, I had my actual exit physical and everything done years before. At the military, wow! When I got sick, because okay. I got the military in 1999. Mm-hmm. You know, so they they pretty much they were done with. I didn't have to have any. Uh, you know, once they give you your exit physical, that's it. And you know, after that, I, the only time I ever went to the hospital was if I was sick, and I was sick. You know, I'm saying, you know, of course, I had, you know, I had aches and pains and you know I was congested you know go get go get medicine for my for a cold or if I thought I had something a flu or something like that I thought you know I was really serious but but other than that I never went to go but you know when I look back on it I did have symptoms that I didn't know were that my kidneys were failing and Mm. have a reoccurring dream about vomiting Nails. I used to have a dream that I was vomiting nails and 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 all kinds of metal. I had I started having a metal taste. Food didn't taste that good anymore, you know. And I started I was starting to lose a little weight, but I thought it was because I was working out at the same time too. I was like, oh mm-hmm. man, I'm starting to look good. I started looking at myself, and you know, my I was I was getting I was I was losing weight, and my clothes was fitting better, and mm-hmm. like man, I like this job. This job got me got me. Pumped. I'm, <laughs> I'm, Right. <laughs> I, was having, I was having this reoccurring of throwing up metal, and I could never figure out why I kept having that dream. Mm-hmm. And so I, I told the doctor, I said, "Well, you, I was having this. I used to have this dream about uh, metal and tasting metal and all that. And what they told me was, well, that was all the toxins backed up into my body, going into my bloodstream, and that's what I was tasting. I was actually tasting." Right. So, you know, and also uh, they told me that my body 
was starting to I was starting to produce a uh, a, sp- a smell, but I couldn't smell it. But mm. like when I, when I was when I was when I was in like closed spaces, like I was in the on, in the guard shack, I would be in the guard shack for about an hour and a half, then replace me. It was why does it smell here? And I was like, I don't smell anything. But it was all they were after after every post. They told me that it smelled funny in there, and I couldn't figure out why. And it was actually, I was actually, you know, what do you call it? The your know, toxins were actually coming out through my, to my out of my pores when I sweat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that was that I didn't know. So. Right. So you said you were in the hospital by yourself, correct? When you first right. found out, and then right. your mother came to the hospital, or you talked to her over the phone. She came up to the hospital because you know this is pre-COVID, so. All oh, right, right, okay. And um, so because okay. because my my mom didn't have a ride to come up to see me, so you know um went to go pick her up and and my dad my dad my dad came up shortly after that after her. Okay. And how long were you in the hospital for when you first um, got diagnosed? I was in probably for about seven days. Oh, wow. A whole week. Okay. And they started you immediately on the dialysis. Yeah. Okay. And so you, so did you, you got the catheter first, correct? The, per, the permacath in my chest, right? Right. Okay. And then um, did they perform the surgery to to um and to put in the stunt when you was in the hospital at the time. What they what they did was they they got took an X ray of the arm, and mm-hmm. they decided that my veins were big enough, so they made me a fistula. Is what they do okay. is they take they take two veins and they put them together to make one big fat vein, and then um once they do that, then what they have to do is after before you can actually use it to a they gave me a little uh, a rubber ball that I had to use to get the 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 fistler to mature. So while I was while I was maturing, I was still going. I was started going through hemo. And the crazy thing about it was, out like at the end of that week, I got out, and I had some friends from Atlanta come down to see me. So they came down, and I was feeling you know I was feeling pretty good. So. Mm-hmm. They they said, well, we're gonna go. You know, we want to go to the mall. So I said, okay, well, shoot, you know, let's go. So I'm sitting down and I I, I put my shoes on, and I go to get up, and I can't get up. Mm. Every, every time I got up, I was too dizzy. I was trying to. It felt like I was gonna pass out. And the doctor, when when I called the the doctor, they said that what it was was my blood my blood hadn't my, my blood pressure hadn't. So I I, right. I didn't go you know what i'm saying and at that mm-hmm. time that's that, i was still having issues so i got i became angry and i started crying because i felt like that's the first time I, I was not in control of my body i got up i couldn't move i couldn't do anything and i and and, and i felt myself i really my sister was visiting and i i, I just want to give up I'm, i don't want to do this i can't do this and um all my friends that were there my mom um, my daughter came, was over there, and they, they, they hugged me, and everybody prayed for me while I was there because I was so, I was so upset, you know, because I couldn't move, I make myself get up and feel like I could get up and walk to that car, and right. it just, I just felt, and for a long time, you know, I went through this stage where I didn't want to, I didn't want to be bothered with anybody. Started think I was already somewhat somewhat of a loner, but I became really really I didn't want to go anywhere, you know. Mm, you isolated yeah. yourself. Right. Only thing I did was I would go to my treatment Wednesday and Friday. I would come mm-hmm. home because once I go, once you if anybody of the people that don't know, when you go on hemo, for me, I was I was a big guy, even though I had lost weight. I guy, so I would be I would be in. Even at permacast, I was in a chair for six hours. 
I couldn't do anything right. And I couldn't do anything. So it it was just I just I felt like an invalid. I mean, I don't I mean I'm not talking bad about anybody who's you know confined or whatever, but when you're in that for six hours, you couldn't get it, you can't get up to go to the bathroom, you can't do mm-hmm. anything. Um, and, you know, uh, anybody, it, it was like a recliner in that chair. And if I had, did have to go to the bathroom, it had to stop the machine, do a rinse back. I have to sit there and wait for that, for them to do a rinse back, rinse me back. And then I could, uh, they would clamp me off and I can go to the bathroom. Then I go to the bathroom, come back, and then they got to go through the whole process of getting me back on again. Well, by the mm-hmm. time they get you back, machine, you might on yourself depending on how bad you had to go or if you had to do a number one or a number two it's embarrassing and then so when you when they first told so when you first found out you uh had to go on dialysis they didn't give you the options between the two different dialysis dialysis methods no and you know what if they had it i probably would i probably wouldn't have picked chemo but nobody told me it was because it was an emergency they were more concerned about they was more concerned about getting me started than giving mm-hmm. me options. They, they I figured so I figured that was my only option. So from right. there, I, you know, I didn't really have a choice. They just told me what they were gonna do. You know, there was nobody, nobody had been in, in, in that situation before in my family. So nobody could say, mm-hmm. Well, ask him about this or ask him about that. Mm-hmm. I didn't the only thing the only thing I knew was whenever you get sick or somebody they tell you something, you always ask for a second opinion. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so that was terrible. Yeah. When I so I I also have chronic kidney disease and I'm on mm-hmm. dialysis, but I am on hemo. But right. um, when I first initially, when I you know initially found out I had the chronic kidney disease, um, they gave me they told me the different options of the peritoneal and the hemo, and you know, my thing was I didn't want to go on dialysis at all because my father uh, was on dialysis and, you know, I seen what he went through on dialysis. So I tried, like, I at least I thought I did. I tried everything to not get to the point of going on dialysis because I was still right. young. You know, I was, I was only 33 yeah. when I found out. So right. it's like, I, you know, I, like, I, I don't, I guess, Every you know, I guess everybody's different because it's like, um, I thought they would explain or they would give you the options between the peritone the peritoneal or the hemo, but you just say it was an emergency situation, so they just put the catheter in you and then, you know, went from there. You know, right. so I didn't, I had never I heard understand, of but huh? I had never heard of peritoneal. Right, me neither. <laughs> Before so, but um, so okay. So you're on hemo. How long were you on hemo before? On hemo for four years. Four years. Okay, and then mm-hmm. what eventually made you go to peritoneal? My fistula stopped working. Mm. When it stopped working, they they did they attempted to put a graft in me. Hmm. There's an artificial graft that once they put it in, they can start using it immediately. Mm-hmm. So they put that in, and immediately after they use it, they try to use it, and come to find out, I got an infection from oh, the from the surgery. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't use it, and I and you know from where they placed the the actual my actual fistler and the actual graft. I had no more areas on my arm, my left arm that I could use, so they wanted to go to my right arm. Mm-mm. Right. <laughs> so I'm right-handed. Right. You know, no, and, it wasn't going to work. Like, yeah. but they said, well, we could put it in your leg. I said, no, we ain't finna do that one either. Mm-hmm. They said, well, what, what, the choice you have is you can go on what we call PD. I was like, okay, what's PD? Mm-hmm. They said, well, we insert a tube into your, into your abdomen, and we put fluid into you and it sits into your peritoneum wall, which is the space around your stomach. And, and I said, okay, well, how, uh, how long do I have to wait before I use that? 
and said, well, once you have the surgery, you have to wait for it to heal. And then we'll be able to, um, in the meantime, we're going to train you on how to you know, mm-hmm. do it yourself. I said, so I got to do it myself. He said, yeah, peritoneal is home dialysis. I said, oh, wait a minute. Okay, so I won't have to come back here. <laughs> right. I, I, I don't Look, that no- light bulb went off in your head, huh? <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to see none of y'all, right? I said, nope, you just have to come to the doctor once a month, get your labs, and um, you do I'll teach you how to do your own blood pressure. You take your you know, everything you need to do at home, you'll be. And I said, and so my only, op- my only option now, right? They said, yeah, they said, yeah, either that or you get it in your leg or your right arm. I said, okay, well, so they um, went on ahead and they put the tube in my stomach. And mm-hmm. it was a, it was a relatively simple surgery as far as I know, because all I remember was I woke up, I had this long tube hanging out my stomach. So, you know, mm-hmm. but um, they said that I, I would, uh, my fluid restriction, I could pretty much eat or, or, or drink what I want as long as my labs were where they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once that happens, um, I did that. And then I waited, I had to, and had to wait till the wounds here around my stomach area. Um, so in the meantime, I still had to go to that, that wretched doggone clinic every, every, I did that. And in the meantime, I was, I was actually getting into, I started, I was, I'm, I was, I never did. I never really recovered from being angry for having to be on dialysis. Mm-hmm. I was having, I was having issues with the clinic I was at. I felt like the, the nurses, the techs there didn't care about me. I was mm-hmm. at, that, at that time, I was one of the youngest, the youngest persons in the clinic on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. There was, mm-hmm. that was over, you know, over 30, it was over 41, but the only vocal one, you know, there was certain texts that could, that I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be bothered with like them. I didn't want them touching me. There was, like, I didn't want them talk, talking to me. Don't say nothing to me, right. you know, because they were they, they they didn't they weren't sympathetic to what was going. I mean, I don't I don't I didn't want anybody to feel sorry for me, but taking consideration that new to me, this is relatively new to me, and right. I'm not under understanding how to control my fluid. You know, at this particular time, I was still peeing, so my. I know that when you're, you, when you're a hemo, you can only gain, if I'm not mistaken, because it's been a long time, you can only, from your dry weight to the next time you get treatment, you can only 2.4 pounds or something like that. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I was coming in and I was, I was always over. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, try, I tried, you know, measure my I stopped eating, you know, food that was salty that foods to avoid and and all that so I stopped that but I still couldn't control I couldn't control my fluids my fluid intake and a lot of times during my treatments I would get cramps and then you know uh hypotonic to try to stop me from cramping you know and it helped but a lot I still felt off mm. so I'll let you explain to everybody what hypotonic is you, you know what? I've never received it. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> well, hypertonic, because you know, okay, when, you, when you're on hemo, they put you on a program. Mm-hmm. Much fluid. It might start, depending on, on your, on your, um, on how you dialysize, they might pull, try to pull a lot of fluid, then they go to less fluid, then a lot of fluid. Okay. Mm-hmm. Between that time when they, when you when when you when they when they dialyze you and you hit that dry weight, a lot of times you'll start getting a cramp. Mm-hmm. A, a cramping. I don't know if you've ever experienced that or not. But I bad one time it woke me out of my sleep. And I started screaming. Uh-huh. And so what they did was they they gave they they, they you got a choice of either letting them give you an IV which will put more fluid in your body but it also fluid level so when you get out of there you're not going to have much 
leeway for your to drink fluid. So I ended up deciding on hypertonic. And what it is hypertonic is almost like to me it felt like a painkiller, but you can taste it when they because they they had to inject it into your um into your IV. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, into actually into your into your um there's a, a outlet onto your lines that are going outside. And so when they put mm-hmm. it in, it's warm. You can feel it go in and it, you can feel it going throughout your body and it actually stops the, the cramps from coming. Oh, I mean, wow. the, the, so what they do is they, they, they lay your chair back and they almost elevate you. Pressure drops, they have to elevate you and almost turn you upside down to get the blood flow to go back to, to, to go to your head to ease the cramps and, and, the, and the, to raise your blood pressure back up. So oh. when it, the hypertonic, the, 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 the positive point is it stops the cramps. The negative part is it makes you extremely thirsty. So mm. they had, I tried not to get hypertonic, which means I control my intake. And they had to find a program to dialyze me on that didn't pull so much fluid at, at, a, at a rate. Because what that dialyzer is actually doing is in the blood, it, you, when you go through your artificial kidney, it's taking all your blood out your body and it's scrubbing it onto the onto the into the on the, the artificial kidney. It's going back to mm-hmm. your body. So depending on how long you run, your all your blood from your your body is going through that machine to to be cleaned. Six hours. That means my, they were taking blood out of my body like four or five times during the treatment. So mm-hmm. I'm. I don't know exactly how I went out, but I'm guessing if, as long as I was on there, uh, I, I, since I was a big guy, they said that's why I had to run so long. Because what you, how long do you run? I only run three and a half hours. Yeah, I was running. I was on five, on some five, sometimes six hours. Yeah. You know, on how much my uh, I was over my dry weight. Right, and as you know, that's interesting information to me because I didn't know somebody can be on hemo for that many hours. I no. thought the maximum was four, four hours, but that's only because mm-hmm. I'm only there three, three and a half hours. So I'm gone, and I don't know if the next patient or whoever sitting next to me might be there for a longer period of time than I am. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. I like that's interesting information for me to me, and I never heard of the hypotomic either. You know, so that's- have you ever heard of nocturnal dialysis? No. Okay, what nocturnal is, and it's, a, it's I, I did that too. Instead of being on the machine that for that you know shorter period of time, nocturnal mm-hmm. is overnight. So I would instead of going in the morning, I would go to the clinic at five o'clock in the afternoon, six depending on what time they told me to come. They would hook me to the machine, and then I would stay there all night long, and they would mm-hmm. dialyze me. They would dialyze me very slow. And that instead, uh, of, instead of a chair, so I would, mm-hmm. you know, I would get there, change my clothes, you know, and get in the bed, and they would dialyze me, and then I would, and, and then I would stay there all, all night long. And that how was long that. did you do that for? Like how many, how many years or months did you do that for? I did nocturnal for, I think, and that's what then. Within the four that's, years of being hemo, yeah, that was that was I, I kind of skipped over. That was yeah, back when I was on hemo, yeah. That okay, was, that was, okay. That that was that was included in the four years. That okay, that wasn't gotcha. that wasn't that wasn't like an additional two to make it six years. No. Okay, but so now it's actually better. Huh? I actually enjoyed that as well. The nocturnal. Yeah, I, I enjoyed nocturnal because I didn't I didn't have to experience any. Yeah. They, they're they're off, so it was less probably a little less stress in your body yeah <laughs> it was it was less and and i and i, and I, I know I, I could i could uh function better during the day right. I, I didn't i didn't have to i didn't have to much when i got off but right. the, 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 okay. I, still didn't, I still didn't sleep that good but i did sleep you know right okay so now you're compared to neil and mm-hmm. How has that been going? I mean, it sounds like it's been going great. How long have you been on peritoneal? 
<laughs> I've been on peritoneal. It's I'm, I'm 56. So since I was about, I'd have to say about 10 years. Oh, okay. Okay. I've been, I've been on, and and, and it's, it's been, it's been, it's been, it's been great because I have a lot more energy. I can do what I want. And on peritoneal, you can get up and walk around while you're on the machine. So if I have to go to the bathroom, I can get up and the line's long. Walk to the bathroom. Or you know, if it's mm-hmm. not if it's not too long, if, I, if I'm not quite making, it, I can actually pull the machine. I'm gonna have my machine on a cart. I can pull the machine to the direction I want to go to, and I can just go to the bathroom. You know, get in the bed and do watch TV, play a video game, um, uh, read a book. I was actually actually start taking college classes while I was on I was on dialysis. So okay, yeah, and um. So you, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I was. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna actually. You said when you were um, you know, as as um, being on dialysis, sometimes um, we have we have patients who still um urinate, and then we have some who have little to no urination. Mm-hmm. Where do you fall in those lines? Well, as long as I've been on, I, I have no urine. I have no urination now. No, okay, and that's no, no, interesting no. to me. How does that feel? Like it's, to know that you don't go to the bathroom. It's strange because I have to remember whenever I go someplace or I travel with family, I got to remember that they need to stop and go to the bathroom, and I don't, unless I have to, you know, of course, do a number two. But right, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll be like, well, you know, my, my daughter was like, "Daddy, I, we need to stop." I said, "For what?" She's like, "I got to go to the bathroom." I got to go to the bathroom. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. I don't got those problems. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so, yeah, because with me, I do little. Like, I do uh, little to know, you know, little. I probably go maybe once a day or so, maybe twice on a but good you day. Never, but you never lose the feeling. It feels like you always feel like you have to go, but it never right. comes out. So, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so you have you, so would you say your support while being on? dialysis has it been great like do people your friends your family understand what you're going through yeah uh, i have a great support system sadly i lost my two greatest supporters uh, within two years of each other my mom passed away in 2017 and my dad so um, you know i'm sorry I, I appreciate it my biggest support system um is gone you know but uh, thanks to my daughter, um, my son-in-law, and you, and some of my other friends that I have online, it's it's great. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I was going through therapy at one time, but mm-hmm. you know when the pandemic hit, a lot of that stopped. So I had to find right. something, find something else. So, mm, were you going were you going to therapy for ex- exactly what? You don't mind asking. The, uh, depression and anxiety, um, j- just overall being, I didn't want to be, I was being by myself. They was worried about me being by myself all the time, not wanting to be mm-hmm. around people, and, you know, become a hermit. Right. Fever and all that. And then when the pandemic right. hit, it even worse. You know, so right. <laughs> so, have you been able to? Okay, so okay, so have you been able to travel? I mean, besides pre-pandemic, where have you been able to travel? Yeah, I did. I got to say, yeah, go see my aunt in in Houston. Um, mm-hmm. I did that. Um, where else? I, I had to take my. Because, you know, of course, when you're on PD, you can just, well, at first, when, um, let, me, let me back up. When I was on PD, I got to go sit, visit my sister. My sister, at the time, she was stay, she was she was in uh, Fort Hood, Texas. So what I did was I had a clinic that I could use while I was over there. So I just, you know, got permission and got my um, all my labs and stuff sent to that clinic. And then when I got there, um, I would drive myself to the clinic. 
and my, my sister would let me use her car and I could go to the clinic and get my dialysis done there. So that, oh, okay. that was cool. Of course, you know, I, I, well, for one, so that, that okay. from flying was, was right. I did not, Traumatic. I, I did not, I had to drive me myself up. So. Okay, so have like, you? I felt like BA brackets from the every time when they wanted to take him somewhere, they had to knock him out, drug him up, <laughs> get him there. just so, just drag him up real quick, knock him out. <laughs> when he wake up, we gonna be there. <laughs> had to throw him in the trunk, you know. So <laughs> okay, so have you been able to do any cruises? No, not really, in, and I was never really interested uh, in. I wanted to go on a cruise. I, I did, but after I priced how much it would cost for me to go to on a cruise as mm-hmm. a as a as a, a PD patient, it's just it's just too expensive. Right, right. There yeah. are because I, I, me as well, would love to do go on a cruise or so. And I know that they do have ships that are designated for um, hemodialysis patients. Dialysis. Yeah, there you go. And mm-hmm. it's it's very very pricey because you have to pay not only for your cruise but you have to pay for your treatment. And it's like right. you have to if if I mean if your insurance pays for it, great. But if it doesn't, then you're spending a whole extra. You're probably spending almost five thousand dollars or so just to right. go on a cruise that'll probably only cost you a thousand or so. Yeah. So you know, cruising it's. It's, it's 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 possible. It's just if you got the money to afford it. <laughs> and, yeah, but because because though, because those who don't know, um, when you go on a cruise, you're you become you're, you're not you're no longer in the U.S. You're in international waters, and Medicaid correct. and Medicare mm-hmm. does not cover your treatments outside of the U.S. So that's why it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you know, it's a, like I tell everybody, and you know. It's a pro to con- pro and con to everything you do in life, and yeah. it's a pro and con to being on peritoneal dialysis, and it's a pro mm-hmm. and con to being on hemodialysis. It just depends on okay. you as a person, on what you, you know, decide what works for you, whatever works for you, because you right. know, um, I was on peritoneal first, and then I went to hemo. And Why then you, you were on hemo, and then you went to peritoneal. So it's like everybody's different. Some people hate hemodialysis, and that's it's understandable as to why. Some people, you know, feel more comfortable doing hemodialysis, right? You know, and vice versa with the peritoneal. So, you know, I always tell people go with what you feel. Get as much information and education <laughs> on. The two Thank different you. types of treatment that's made for you, and go with what you feel. You know, nobody and, can't tell you what's best for you, but you. So, right. yeah. <laughs> don't be, and don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, yes. and, and, and yes. if they don't, if they don't give you the answer that you want, you keep asking or well. find mm-hmm. somebody. That's gonna, I went to like three different clinics on because I cussed right. everybody. I cussed everybody out. Because the thing about it is, is there were some nurses and there were some techs that did not didn't have any empathy for you. I don't want you to feel sorry for me, but if I tell you, if I tell you, I'm, you better come over and check on me because there's plenty of people that have actually passed away from because they coded while they was on the machine, mm-hmm. and be that person. Did not sleep when I was on dialysis. I was afraid. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't get good. And I sleep deprived. And when, you, of course, you know when you become sleep deprived, you have a tendency to start hallucinating, and you mm-hmm. start you, you start becoming paranoid that everybody's out to get you. And at least I did. I felt like everybody's out to get me, and and I, so mm-hmm. I started cussing people out, and let them know. You know, if if you you, you know you're not going to talk to me in any kind of way, I know. But you're not gonna treat me like a kid. And so they were talking about, well, Mr. Monroe is non-compliant. You don't, you don't ever want to. You know, he doesn't ever want to monitor his fluid. I'm about to cuss. I said, you know, 
best I can. It's not like I was born on dialysis. I know how to control my fluid. You, you, you're telling somebody who's used to drinking water from a water hose as much as he wants that he can't drink no water no more. He can't drink fluid no more. And then the bad thing about it is everything you eat has fluid in it. So nobody's mm-hmm. thinking about it. when you're when you're on dialysis. You don't think about counting if if you eat some spaghetti or you you have some gravy. You don't count that as fluid. You don't think about that. Mm-hmm. All you know, you know <laughs> all you know is you're eating a good good pork chop with gravy on it, and you don't have half of your fluid intake. <laughs> exactly, and you're drinking out of a little sippy cup. So you won't over, overload, overload your fluid, and it ain't working. So then you yeah. try to figure out, well, why, why am I still over? I didn't drink a lot. Well, what did you eat? I said, you didn't ask me what I ate. You asked me what I, what I drank. Well, mm-hmm. Mr. Monroe, you do know that there's fluid in No, I didn't know that. And why didn't you tell me that at the beginning? So and not only now you're telling me I can't drink, I can only drink three, three to four liters in between treatments. You're not, so that's not counting the food, the food that I'm eating. How do I count that? Nobody could give me an answer. Mm-hmm. You know? And especially when it got to I eat, I like chili. You know what I'm saying? I like soup. I want to, you know. So you're telling me I can't eat soup anymore. Unless I unless I drain the fluid off of it and I got some dry ass noodles with some vegetables in it. And I can't I can't measure my noodles. I got my my fluid in my soup. So I stopped eating soup, mm. you know, and I started eating, and I started, you know, when you make, when, when I'm, I like cereal, they don't, they don't want you to drink too much milk because they don't want you to drink too much vitamin D. You don't, they don't want you to have too much vitamin K. Mm-hmm. There's so many restrictions yeah. Yeah. that you don't need about. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, yeah, I get it. I know. <laughs> you do. You know? Yeah. And you know, huh? you can't, you, you really can't go out and, and you know, out to eat with anybody because you, you they, they want you on a uh, a renal diet and so everything every time you order something well i can't have this or i, I don't i don't want to eat that because it's high in phosphorus you know and i don't want to eat that because it's too salty i can't do that because it's, it's just it's hell to go when you're trying to go out to eat somewhere and then you're sitting mm-hmm. there with friends and everybody else is eating a uh a, a, and 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 uh, spinach or whatnot can't do nothing but eat a salad. I mean that it's it's draining. So I just stopped going out with people. You know, I I didn't want to be around people because you know I wasn't embarrassed. I just didn't like being around people. Eat when eat with everybody else because it and then and then when you're out with your friends, they feel like that they can't be themselves because they don't want to they don't want to hurt your feelings because they can drink or eat as much as they want to. So then they start not asking you to go nowhere because mm-hmm. they, don't, they, don't, they don't want you to ruin their time. So, and I get it. I understand. It's, it's a, it's a lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. You asked me earlier is about my, my friends or whatever. I've got, I've got very few people that I hang out with even before pandemic. I didn't really hang out with many people cause I, I was, I didn't want to, I didn't want to ruin anybody else's time out, you know? Right. So I, I people that understand me sisters you know a girlfriend or whatever i didn't i didn't i didn't want to be bothered mm-hmm. because they, they understand you right know? and do you are you um do you maintain um with medication are you any type of medications yeah i do take medication but it's it's my my phosphorus uh anybody mm-hmm. that, uh, that has that itches a lot, you know, it's usually high phosphorus. So I take what we call calcium acetate and I take 607 milligrams per tablet. I take that, uh, I take six tablets after every meal. Some people it's lower. Mine, I, I, since I'm a big guy, they say, so I have to take six tablets. And I take mm-hmm. four with, with each snack that I have. And this is a binder? A binder, right. And it, what that does is okay. it all the phosphorus out through my stool. When I go to the bathroom, it takes most of the phosphorus out. It's supposed to, but if I right. much phosphorus, of course, it's not going to work as well. So I have, to, right. I have to constantly eat stuff that's low in phosphorus, so I won't have that um, itchy. And then right. I take 
I, I have what they call, I had to get, uh, I'm going to mess this word up, y'all, so don't, you know, if anybody knows how to say it. <laughs> but I have what they call a parathyroid. I don't know if you've had an issue with your PTH during mm-hmm. your lab. What that is, is from, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, piece of, everybody has uh, thyroids in their body, but they have moved out of my neck. It was called, it's called a para, parathelectomy or <laughs> parathelectomy. Um. Slightly slicing and they got, they get the pieces out of the thyroids out of your neck to help lower your phosphorus. Now the, mm. the, the, the fallback from that is you become uh, um, calcium, your calcium drops. And they, they you go you get, they actually you actually go into what they call calcium distress. So mm-hmm. from there they may I'd eat a lot of tums because that's that's got calcium in it, and I had to take this drug called Sensipar, and when mm-hmm. PTH and and then you have to monitor you have to monitor your your intake of your because the calcium acetate the Sensipar and another drug I take is called Calcitriol. All those work in conjunction. To try to lower your PTH, keep your phosphorus down, but keep your calcium up. It's oh, okay. it's it's, it's mm-hmm. crazy. I probably never understand it, but every every time I do my labs, they tell me, "Well, Mister Moreau, your potassium <laughs> is too high." Okay, well, what do I do? Are you taking your binders? Yeah, I'm taking my binders. Okay, your sense of your PTH is is up. Are you taking Sensipar? Sensipar, and they just come. I just have to. It's it's a constant. It's work. It's a constant battle mm-hmm. to try to keep your labs up, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah it, it's 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 it could be it could be mentally draining, you know. Yeah, and have you been able to to work while being on dialysis or treatment? Well, not, not, not no, I couldn't. I I only I only worked mm-hmm. for like four years, but I couldn't go back working at, at the YDC where I was working at. Because mm. I would, I became, became an insurance li- uh, insurance liability because mm. of my accident in my arm. You know, they said that if I got into a fight or tried to break up a fight with the that, you know, I could be hurt and then I, they could be liable for me getting hurt. So they uh, they let me go, and I started on um, disability. Oh, okay, okay. So. Um... So how is your, I hope I can ask the question, but we are being comfortable and open and raw. How is your love life? My love life, it's, it's challenging. It's it's challenging. Um, The drive is still there a lot of times, but I have to really, as long as I'm eating correctly or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm good, you know, but there, there are, Sometimes things don't want to work the way they want it. They're supposed to work. Mm-hmm. You know, they have, you know, you can take the, of course, the blue pill or, or you know, you can, there's some other stuff that you can take and whatnot. But oh. I happen to be in a relationship with someone who's very understanding, you know, you know, they've been with me for a while. We mm-hmm. talk about it. We talk about it. And, you know, as long as she's happy, you know, with the way things are, and and she understands that sometimes, you know, the engine won't start. Then, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we're good, you know. But you right. know, uh, that's that's it, that's a good thing. Mental, it's a mental thing, you know. So, you know, I try. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I still, I still have anger issues. Get mad at myself because you know I mm-hmm. want to do I can't. And I've been lucky, you know. She's very understanding, so. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to find, especially nowadays. Because you know, a lot of people, you know, um, I as well. I'm in a relationship, and he's been there since the beginning. He was there when I found out and everything. Right. And you know, some people, some guys would have left already. Like they would have been like, "Oh, I'm exactly. not going through seeing you sick sometimes, or you don't want to be bothered or be touched or whatever." And that person is still there, you know, loving every interview. And when I had peritone, like when I got on peritoneal dialysis, oh my goodness, I was, that was a very 
it was depressing for me as a woman for my body because it was like like who wants to who wants to have sex with me and I got a tube hanging out of my stomach like that was yeah. so unattractive to me you know what I mean so I <laughs> dealt with a lot of issues being going through this journey you know with self image but right. having a good partner who, under, who understands or try to understand mm. um, what you're going through is is a major you know part of like okay like I can get through this Right, you know, so where, you know, where your, who knows where your, tube I'm sorry. Uh, when you was on PD, what side of your was your tube on, or did you have it was right down the middle? It was. Let me look at it real. Let me look at my star real quick. <laughs> <laughs> it was on my um, my left side. Yeah, my left side of my like it was a little. It was above my um, navel. It's above mm -hmm. my navel. But it was on the left side of it. Mine's on the right side of my navel. The first time, oh, okay. the first time, the first time it was too low. I, I had and and replaced. Mine was a little bit lower, more toward my growing area. Time mm -hmm. I had it, and they had to go in and the, the 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 tubing they had to change because the tubing was going straight in, and it was and when that when I was draining, it would mm -hmm. stick to the front of my stomach so. It, so what the doctor did, um, God bless, God bless him. He took and he swirled it around. So it looked like it it was it, it looked like a cinnamon bun was round like a cinnamon bun. So for the that tube, as opposed to just mm -hmm. a drain, and so the tubing is on the, actually when it, uh, it's, it's in a circle. So the uh, opening of the tube is circle. That's not that doesn't touch my stomach or anything like that. So and I haven't oh, had okay. any problems. I forgot what they call it, but yeah, that, mm. that, that's that's. And I, I, I thank God every day because he stopped the pain because it was, it was painful. With that right. Was painful, you know? <laughs> and, because a lot yeah, of people hear a lot about drinking. Yeah, pain all the time, and I, I never experienced it, and I don't want to mm -hmm. experience it. You know, and mm -hmm. the thing that, that I don't know if you have to deal with it on hemo because they never talked about it. But when you're on when you when you have like the permacalf or you have, um, you know, you, you get any kind of infections. Well, patients, what they worry about is called peritonitis. And I don't know if anybody knows what that is, but it's a, it is a uh, uh, an infection in your abdomen that is terrible. It's hard to get rid of. And it's very painful to get rid of. And knock on wood, I've been on dialysis for this long, and I've never had. It, it comes from not keeping your your access area clean. You have to clean it every day, yeah, and make sure that you don't you, you you keep your mask on, and you wash your hands. You you have to be very. You wash your hands like you want to like you like you going to surgery. <laughs> exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you gotta be real sterile. Mm -hmm. It's about you wash your hands for only two minutes. Shit. Sometimes I wash my hands for five minutes. Mm -hmm. I get up under my nails and in between my fingers, and you know they gave me, they give me some antibacterial soap and all that. So yeah, it, 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 not only that, but your your house has to be clean. A lot of times, you know, people who get peritonitis don't really have mm -hmm. the best the best mm -hmm. um, cleaning habits of the house, and you can get it from anything from. Dirt getting into your access, not not mm -hmm. cleaning your bag correctly. I mean, it can be you know, from you actually forgetting to turn a fan off in your room. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. it, mm -hmm. it, it it could be anything. So, you know, I I I I live in my room, and nobody comes in my room. I mean, nobody. I mean, of course, you know, you know, my my daughter, she has she has pets or whatever, and um, so the pets aren't allowed in my room and or anything like that. But once I'm hooked up, you know. Sometimes I let them come in and I rub them or anything, you know, whatever. And, you know, I love on them and stuff like that. But other than that, you know, mm -hmm. if I'm getting and somebody wants to come in the room, they got to throw on that mask. You know what I'm saying? They, they don't mind doing that. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, that, 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 could, that, that could actually be a make or break in some people's relationship. You know, can you imagine yeah. pandemic, people got to wear a mask. Can you imagine wearing a mask every time you want to get close to me? Mm-hmm. Right. Getting hooked, you know that 
that can that can be a deal breaker as well for some folks. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, it can. It's and like a... you said, if you don't have anybody that's with you, you know, and you meet somebody and you and you it's, it's it you have to decide do you want to tell them right away or do you want to wait till they you get involved and then tell them you're on dialysis or whatever? Because the one thing you I I don't want you know this goes into the relationship thing is I don't want to to feel sorry for me. And then I, I don't want nobody to think that, you know, I'm looking for a nursemaid, somebody to take care of me. That's the only reason why we're together is because I want you to take care of me and, you know, do things for me. And no, I don't want. So right. you, it's, re- it's really hard to get into a relationship with somebody if you're mm-hmm. not already in a relationship, you know, when you get on. You know, if you're married and you have a, a significant other or whatever, it's hard. Yeah, the dating thing is very, very hard. It's very yeah. hard. I'm- I'm thankful that I haven't, I didn't have to go through that, but I always say like, if it does lead to that, I don't know if I want to date, like. Exactly, exactly. I, you know, um, it's it's already hard without living and without a health condition to date. <laughs> Imagine living with a health condition. It's like, even it's yeah. harder because, you know, it's it's hard to find somebody who understands and is willing to stick with you stick by your side through whatever you're going through so so you, you so know. you've been with you've been with Tristan they forgot it for years then already yeah it, well yeah. yeah technically yes four years yeah. well that's good that's good so, I'm glad I'm, yeah. I'm grateful. I have I have my daughter my sisters and my son-in-law I'm I'm grateful I have mm-hmm. you know I have my family and then you know I and, and the that I do have I'm just glad that they're in my corner you know what I'm saying? Right. So what are you doing? What what do you have do you have any uh projects, accomplishments that you're working on? I know you mentioned what? you said you took a couple of college classes, but what else are you well that because you motivated me and uh oh. I'm I I had a I had an internet radio show in ninety eight. I was doing radio, but this is before I got sick. Mm-hmm. I was doing internet radio. So I've this gonna do is I'm gonna my old radio show with mm-hmm. podcasting so I'm gonna be you to teach me about the podcasting game and I'm gonna incorporate that with my um my radio show and I'm adding video so I, I, people can see me and chat with me at the same time live like you're doing well like we're doing so okay that, sounds that's, awesome that's, that's my project I feel like that you know, if you don't have anything to, you, you can lose your mind. You know, as long as mm-hmm. I've been on and as long as you've been on, you know, you, 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 there's got to be an outlet. There's got to be, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with plenty of support groups on Facebook. I'm on, right. or lots of, but it's not the same. You know, you can you can text and, and talk about it, you know, in groups and stuff like that. I'm, to see that how you've done this, your part, I wish I would have thought about this because... This is a great outlet event, and who really needs to, who wants who wants people to know what it is that they're doing. You know what 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 is nobody nobody can understand what they what you're going. Through. If you haven't lived it, you you know you're gonna right. always you, you, for people to get to get it. It's a lifestyle change, and, and people feel like that it's the end of the line once you get on dialysis. Just because it says end stage renal disease does not mean it's end stage. Mm-hmm. You know, but people need to understand. So I, I I applaud you for doing do dialysis, but you're doing a whole a whole different a, a whole different thing with dealing with uh, sickness and probably I, I didn't to listen to all of your your shows dealing with a little bit of everything from the titles that I've seen. So I I commend you on that, and I would I I I want to see you success. That's why I said I asked you if I could share this because I want everybody. I get questions all the time. Mm. You you started a platform that a lot of people understand the sicknesses that their families and their loved ones have. So you you go, girl. I'm, I'm gonna support you for that. You know. <laughs> you trying to make me cry? <laughs> be the best podcaster that you can be, because you're, you're gonna help. You're gonna help a lot of. I know you help. You know which. I wish I could just stay on here all day with you. I, I got some. <laughs> no way! And I'm like, you know, are we almost at our hour, and I, you know, I would love to. I would love to do a second segment 
on, on so yeah okay you guys we're gonna end this here we're gonna do a second segment with mr franklin it was definitely a pleasure and an honor talking with you today um i you i've actually gained a lot of information even though i'm on hemodialysis there's still a lot of things that i don't know um mm -hmm. because i haven't went through it yet or hopefully mm -hmm. i don't ever go through it but i know some of the stuff that that does happen you know speaking to speaking to you and you giving me information um, so it was an honor and a pleasure talking with you today i definitely look forward to our second conversation to continue this conversation All right. but Next um, time or going into more into the transplant thing too. Yes, definitely for sure. Um, okay. So you guys, thank you for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed this show. You gained information and I hope you all have a great night. Bye. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical conditions in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you are experiencing.